Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. This year, the conference is taking place June 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2020. We'll interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software projects inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps Podcast. I'm Matt X, joined by JD, and today on the pod is Harry Sieber from Gusto. He's a client platform engineer, and welcome to episode number five. Harry, where are you? Muted. Can you hear me? There you are. Yeah, we can hear you. Cool. I yeah, last am last week going. I was testing and testing, and then I was like, listen to it. I'm like, oh, I sound great, and then I didn't turn it back on. <laughs> I did. I have turned it back on. I've got the little like uh, you guys remember what was it? Winamp. Yeah, I got the right, little Winamp. The, the little lights. Go yeah. Up and down and, yeah. Oh, Winamp. Yes. Winamp. Mac Amp. Oh, was there a Mac Amp? Yeah. So I actually had never owned or used a Mac OS device uh, previous to two years ago. Wow. Wow. <laughs> How is that possible? That <laughs> well, Mac OS is just you know it's just BSD. So well, that's the best thing about <laughs> it. I was like a big Unix person. Big, I'm in. I'm over exaggerating my uh, my importance. I I loved Unix and had to use Unix in university, and that was the only thing we could do. And all these silly Emacs, Vi, Nano, Pico, all this Unix stuff. And then get out of university, I'm like, I'm never going to need any of those commands or any of that knowledge ever again. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> OS 10 comes out, and I'm like, hell's yeah! <laughs> so we got Mac and we got Unix <laughs> and got a command prompt. We can now do all the stuff and. Still to this day, anything that's a Cocoa app or uses similar like technologies, I can go Control A, Control E, Control K, Control T. You can <laughs> transverse any two characters, transpose, transverse. Uh, like if you type like the T and the W, you just put the cursor and just flips them back and forth. Like, like I was oh, using. I didn't oh, know any of that. Oh my god, I, those, li- I literally knew none of that. Yeah, I got I, one for you though. Do you know if you if you hit Control Option Command? period shift it runs a cyst diagnose yeah i i saw that uh, recently i hadn't known that until like someone was saying oh there's a special command you can do and then someone's like yeah well that's just the command for that and then someone's like oh of course you know that but you know everyone's rediscovering <laughs> i felt really cool when i found that out so. that yeah i i definitely was like looking at that going whoa i just usually type cyst diagnose but wow okay i mean it's almost as long as typing cyst diagnose having to type all those characters <laughs> hold down this I've actually used it to to ask a, a remote, non-technically um, skilled user to run a sysdiagnose and nice. upload the file to Slack. It worked surprisingly well. Nice. I mean, they were. I'm I'm lucky because I work at a company that's um, filled with, I guess, digital natives. I could you could say, it's just it's young people as far as the eye can see. So everyone has this sort of base skill set mm. um, that yeah, I've come to take for up. granted. They've all grown up with an electronic device in their hands, basically. Exactly. They they can they can get into preferences and solve most of their own problems. Um, it's nice. <laughs> it's a nice yeah. group of people to support. Yeah, it's 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 usually good. I mean, I I I gave a presentation once on the psychology of uh, users and and uh, and how it impacted security threats. And my one of my uh, model stereotypes was. People that can Google their way out of problems can Google themselves into problems. And so <laughs> I had users that would just Google for an app and then download whatever came up as their first hit. 
you know, because oh, could... we do have guide rails. I'm not, it's not the wild west out there, <laughs> <Yeah>. but yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, you know, you can Google for things, but try not to just download whatever you find. <laughs> yeah, see if that app is already installed on your box, and what if it's actually Monkey already has it, and you know, you could have Spotlight searched it, but no, you Googled for it and then downloaded malware. Okay, good, good, thumbs up. <laughs> well, I feel I feel strongly that like users should have. If you're giving someone a MacBook, they should have admin because it's like my perspective is you're giving someone a real computer and they should have the ability to take a complete advantage of it. If you're going to take away admin, you should you should just give them maybe a Chromebook or um, something that's a bit more locked down, even a VDI. Wow, we've um, just you... really dived straight into like <laughs> a really heavy topic. I would I will 100% disagree with you right there. <laughs> Do you? Oh, yeah. Well, that's excellent. That's good news. Yeah, yeah. I'm team standard user all the way here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm uh, basically, as an IT person that manages the tools of my users, I have to preserve their tools so that they can keep working. And so that's why Monkey has self-service scripts for things that, you know, it depends on your workforce and your environment. If you can help them with certain tools like a Monkey or a self-service, um, then great. If you can't anticipate what they need or you're supporting 10,000 or 100,000 users and they can't talk to you, then maybe you have to give them more latitude. Like the, you know, uh, I can definitely- I search it. for that. I search for the middle ground there. Like I want to give them admin and I want, I want to trust my users to install apps, but I have a couple, a couple guide rails. Um, the first is, I say I, I mean me and, and my colleague and the rest of the IT team at Gusto. I'm not a, a solo cowboy out there, but we have- um, we have Monkey, and we put all of our core apps in there, and we manage them through there, um, and we put commonly used apps in there. Uh, and we do have um, some like light gatekeeper restrictions, and then some TCC restrictions. And on top of that, we've got a security team, and uh, you know, an antivirus, and we've just deployed OS Query. Um, so we have we have a lot going for us to mitigate those risks and still allow the user to have a real computer, as I so. As I, as I claimed is important. <laughs> well, we have a lot of engineers as well. Yeah. And you can't, you can't tell to an engineer they can't pseudo on their own box. They'll walk away. With um, pseudo comes great responsibility. <laughs> Remember you used to type that in Well, training. indeed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's still, I mean, you know what? Now that you said that, I think I should edit the, uh, the pseudo message of the day yeah. on all, <laughs> all the MacBooks at our enterprise to, to have that classic message. Yeah, I mean, I love sudo when, you know, you have to stop, think, is this what I want to do? Is this the command I want to do? Okay, yeah, double bang, you know, just like, okay, like, do that command with sudo, you know, I'll type it without sudo, and then they'll go, do you really want to do this? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sudo that, yeah. So you don't shorten the time frame for sudo for your, your users? Shorten the time frame? Like, oh, yeah. make it easier for them? No, make it harder for them so they have to type <laughs> the password yeah. in every time. So, you know, you can shorten Oh, I see. We sh yeah. sh shorten the, the timeout. Yeah. yeah. Or you, yeah. Can, you can make it uh, work with the Touch ID on their laptops and they have to put their finger on their Touch ID. Yeah. Yeah. My friend uh, Austin Coulter did that. You have to you have to edit the uh, like a PAM file, don't you? Yeah. It's like a PAM module. Yeah. It's been, it blows away every time people have been doing the 1015 updates, but it's a kind of a neat idea. You know, it's like put your finger on the laptop, prove you're alive. You know, <laughs> like I tried to pitch an idea to my uh, my colleague where we would. So we're an Active Directory enterprise, unfortunately, um, and I was pitching to him. Maybe we go to local accounts. 
Um, but to really lessen the, the password strain on our users, we only do local accounts on all new devices. We require biometrics. Yeah. So users would just by default use biometrics to authenticate with their, their MacBook and not really worry about the local accounts password or its relation to their enterprise credentials. Yeah. I mean, for my corporate, we've been using Nomad. So it's like a local account with, you know, with biometrics and T2 where possible. But then, you know, if they need to, uh, you know, use the corporate accounts, it's authenticate with Nomad. And then you got your corporate credentials. It gives you your corporate, you know, resources. But usually my users are on a SAN, like the video team that they're, they're usually segmented off and separated. And but, you know, they can have access to corporate if they, you know, put in that corporate password <laughs> that changes every, you know, so many days that they can never remember it or they can remember it with because it has a plus one or a plus two or a plus three or plus nine hundred and fifty months, you know, that they've been there. <laughs> yeah, that's really the struggle with enterprise credentials, right? Either you have like perfect password sync or you're always going to be in that that middle ground where. The user has to have remember two passwords and one of them is not important until it's extremely important. And then they just look Which, at a sticky note on their screen. Or, right, oh, right. Oh. Well, it drives that sort of behavior. Especially yeah, when security is mandating they change it every, you know, rotate your password every, I don't know, 30, 60, 90, doesn't matter what it is. I can guess so many people's passwords because it's a plus one, plus two. Oh, I've been at this company 90 months because my password is something, something 90. You know, and every month I have to change it or... Have you, you know, I've, uh, I've heard that some people are pushing in like the security space are pushing back on that best, best practice and are saying like a strong password that you change very rarely um, is actually an acceptable practice. I, I have. What do you think about that? I 100% agree. Password managers and strong passwords that don't get changed often. And I have 100% failed in all my meetings with corporate IT to uh, get that to be accepted. But I mean, I do what I can to represent my teams and my, my, you know, I'm, I'm the one who has to meet with these, you know, um, uh, these what <laughs> these corporates, uh, <laughs> representatives. <of> the- <laughs> um, and this know, is being recorded. This man. is being recorded. Just, I know, in case you forgot. <laughs> yeah. My day job is, is, is like the embedded it for certain teams and to meet with people and, and meet with the distributed it teams that don't, you know, necessarily, you know, know who the, all the different departments are. So, you know, it's like, You'll represent them and talk to them and explain to them how your department works or how your group works and try and, you know, and then you have, I have users that are like, Matt, why do we have passwords on things? And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's 2020. We have passwords, you know, but if we could have perfect biometrics or, you know, uh, secure ID cards or something, you know, which we don't have everywhere, that would be nice because then they wouldn't have passwords or there would be passwords somewhere, but just put your thumb on your computer and you want to... I always like that kid sister argument or the kid brother argument. You want to have a certain amount of protection to stop just the easiest access of your resources to stop someone from just walking into an office that's sure. unlocked and accessing all your resources. But in security should match the so it's level. It's like having a low wall around your garden to keep the, the odd raccoon. Yeah. And, oh. you know, you, you, might, you might have lo- logging and other things, you know, like you said, the guide rails, you have different things that stop you. And that's why. You know, my users, you know, they would they don't have admin rights, but I've recently started pr- uh, using the privileges app from SAP and and uh, good things for certain users that can prove that they are responsible and not just Googling and downloading random things. Um, then they can have this app and have the limited ability to be admin for certain things. I don't need to be bothered and charge per, you know, per minute to resolve silly things, but I want to maintain that the tools and 
the, the machines work for them. I mean, yeah, you don't you you want to you want to stop the user from from destroying their own machine. I under, I understand that. Um, yeah. I understand that a lot. Part part of the reason admin works for us is is because uh, we can afford to have maybe a bit of defense defense in depth. I'm not a security professional, but we. You know, the, the actual resources we care about as an enterprise are largely not on the, the devices. They're, mm-hmm. they're terminals that, sure, they have important data on them and they do important work, but most of the work they do is, you know, not um, critical to the enterprise. If we lost one of them, even if all the data was scraped from it, we'd probably be fine. Yeah. Well, it's um, funny because uh, we were talking with Alex Narvi uh, the last podcast and he's his presentation is going to be the whole uh, standard versus admin um, topic that we've just been hashing out and talking about. So uh, it'll be great to pick that up. It's oh, it's a, it's a, it's a great topic that it definitely. Yeah, I have on. so such strong feelings, Matt. That I think it's going to have to be a panel. Such okay. strong feelings. Uh, yeah, it really depends. It's on a the, MacBook, the user, right? But <laughs> it it really depends on your end user. So like Matt and I are supporting you know, not engineer types. So locking them out for their own protection, you know, and using monkey to elevate privileges and, and run certain scripts to, or, or using other tools to, to give them that access, I think is, is a better way of doing it. Kind of a, a, you know, a check or a sanity check of, are you sure you need to do this? I think it's a bit more, um, it's a bit more white glove though, isn't it? I feel like, I feel like you might spend a lot of time writing custom um, shell scripts or Python scripts or wh- whatever your scripting language is to achieve certain uh, tasks at the end user. I'm not. I'm not disdaining that at all. Um, I'm. I'm just asking if that's the case. I think it's probably more scalable at a smaller level. So if I can see if I'm if I'm actually milling about with my users, which I like to do, I go and visit them and talk to them, mm. and then see what they're doing and see what they need, then. If they need something, then I make sure it's a monkey and auto package or something. Or if something custom, then I, I've written certain apps, then put them in the monkey to solve the problem that they say. You know, and it's only by hanging out with them can you see what the problems they have. And, and I had to decide, is it faster to do something for them immediately or let them do it? Or it's going to take longer to automate it or write a script or write an app to do that thing for them. And sometimes the wrong, uh, the right thing is to take the time to build something for them, but that takes longer. So sometimes, you know, I have to, I have to judge, but I, for me, I like to use monkey and put stuff in there because it keeps track of everything for me, but you mm-hmm. have to have a smaller group of people, I think, and you have to be able to, to know what they need. If you have a lot more users or engineers or programmers that are doing whatever, and you can't keep tab, tabs on what they're doing and they, they're not going to talk to you every day and tell you what their problems are. Let, let me give you a sample of just three things from my end users that I have experienced over the past week. Things that have escalated to me that I'm dealing with in some way or the other. Um, one, uh, I've got a sub team on my uh, core engineering uh, sort of product team. One of their sub teams has decided that the best way to achieve, and this is a pretty cool idea, to achieve their their de- a new engineer developer setup environment, is to use Nix, um, which you may or may not have heard of. It's a it's a sort of a new style package manager. It works by mounting a file system um, at at root, so it mounts a file system at, at root, which you can't do on on ten fifteen. That that is a non writable directory. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, at the the root directory. Uh, so there's a workaround that involves um, mounting a volume, uh, 
I want to make the volume encrypted. The the NixOS issue is super scary. It's one of those issues where I, I went into it and I was scrolling through it and I see Groove. Groove has commented on it and he says one sort of like sound sensible thing and then he gets a down arrow and a bunch of people arguing with him and it's it's a very hairy issue. That's one of the things I'm working on right now. Um, another is uh, apparently um, some subset of the LG monitors that we deploy are sort of screwing up when you plug them into newly upgraded Catalina boxes and they're generating these weird USB artifacts. I don't know what's going on with that um, right now. And a third one is um, I'm working with our support team who's fantastic at Gusto. I'm so lucky in our support team. They, they bought a lot of culture from, from interesting other places. Um, they're working on sort of automating some, some user lifecycle stuff in better cloud and I just figured out, I'm so excited about this. I just figured out they build a workflow in Better Cloud, which is sort of like an if this, then that engine for um, working with SaaS APIs. They build a workflow workflow in that for issuing a license um, for a, like Microsoft Office. And I figured out how to call the API to trigger that workflow. So I'm working on testing that as a post install script for our Microsoft installs on Monkey. Um, nice. But... All of that said, those are all cool things to have my hands in, but they're all sort of like little aspects of all of the IT needs and IT stuff that teams are going through. Like, you you know, if you're sitting walking around with the teams that you're supporting, you know that there's a million little things that you need to support them with, either automate the support for it or acculturate and socialize how to deal with it. I can't do that for, for, for all of these sub-teams. And even with my great support team um, by my side, um, and all the other IT resources we have, we just we just couldn't do that. I mean, we have yeah. a team called Developer Experience that's just about supporting engineers. <laughs> yeah, you have a you have you have a uh, you're you're at more at scale than you know some of my <laughs> my clients. They're definitely smaller, and you know you can I can mill about with them, you know. And uh, I, I'm sort of jealous of you, to be honest. <laughs> Maybe I sound like a bit of an ass saying that. <laughs> no, I'm jealous of you and the problems you're solving. I mean, it's. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to do, and then I go in and, and visit, and then I just go, "What are you guys trying to do? What's happening? What 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 problems are you trying to solve?" And then you're like, "Oh, I could build an app and very simple, very simple little app, or I could put something in a monkey, or I can try and solve that problem." Or sometimes I make it worse, but mostly I make it better. But, you know. <laughs> I was joking with my support team the other day. It was like, "We Apple does 95% of the work, and hopefully, we as a team are adding 10%, not subtracting 10%." But yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm jealous of it because I, I don't think I know. In fact, I'm sure I have no idea what I'm doing trying to support. As I said, I, I only started with macOS a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm more from, from a, a Unixy uh, DevOpsy programmer as far as my technical experience. And um, yeah, I'm 100% sure I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm, I'm scared to find out how. So what do you think about this whole DevOps thing? I just started reading the DevOps for Dummies because uh, that was just published. Um, um, and uh, I just, I've always been enamored by the whole DevOps idea because, because I thought it had um, some, some, things, some good references for the Mac IT sort of Mac world and open source world that we're playing with. But well, I was reading one line in the book and they're in the beginning and they're just saying, DevOps is a cultural revolution where groups work together and nobody says, this isn't my job and we're trying to solve the problems together. And I just thought that represented in a nutshell how, yeah, we're not all developers. I'm not a developer writing code. I can't write that much code. I don't write apps, but we're all trying to work together to automate and to make 
teams work better together and try and take advantage of people sharing solutions in open source. And um, so, I mean, that's the real power of it to me. Um, I, I don't have like a philosophy of, of how to manage MacBooks. In fact, I've, I've been tasked recently with coming up with a, some sort of vision for, for what our CPE practice looks like. But, um, but that's the power of it for me. I, I came in it came into this job knowing so little um, that just me and a colleague followed along with um, the work that people at Uber and Facebook and, and Airbnb and basically everyone, everyone who I've met um, or hope to meet at the last two Mac DevOps conferences, just been following and cribbing off of their work for two years and it's worked mm. out fantastically. And so if I'm honest, that's what it means to me when I say a DevOps philosophy, it means we produce sort of open source um, knowledge and, and open source tools um, and we all collaborate on it. You're absolutely right. The collaboration is, is key to, to any, to, to whatever this culture of, of man of IT is that, that we're developing. Yeah, I mean, I I always go back to Monkey. I was super inspired by that project, and and then everybody else, you know, sharing, and even you know Alex Narvi, you know, he's like an IT consultant like me, but just he's able to start a GitHub repo and share little pieces that he's worked on. Other people, you know, Eric Gomez, everybody's sharing what they're doing. Well, let, let me give a shout out then to our open source repo, even though it's fledgling. <laughs> um, GitHub.com gusto it cp open source. I, I don't know where to put that. Nice. But anyways, we have we'll put that in the show notes. We have um, five um, chef cookbooks open source now, and one script that auto promotes um, packages in a monkey repo nice. um, by manipulating nice. the package info files. Um, so yeah, we we're, we're trying to contribute. And uh, Willie, my Willie Willie Tacker, uh, who's my really smart colleague. Um, on the CPE team um, has also contributed to that open source repo, obviously, but other ones as well. We're, we're trying, we're trying, we're trying to give back because we've taken a lot. So, so it sounds like going into these with a little bit of ignorance has also helped, right? It has because I don't have any baggage whatsoever. Like I, I, I didn't know what a P list was when I started this job. Honestly, I made I made it past the interview on the strength of of, of well, maybe hopefully more than this, but my technical interview was just, just Python, Python programming against uh, what I thought was a generic XML file. I didn't even know it was a plist file. Um, so yeah, it has helped. Absolutely. I feel like, I feel like I, 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 I've avoided a lot of uh, mistakes or things that have over time become mistakes because Apple loves to deprecate things. Uh, things change so fast in the tech world in general and in the Apple world, uh, there's no, no fear of change and dumping things left and right. And <laughs> it, yeah, my yeah. previous expertise in technology Oof. that do not exist anymore. And I'm not even that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... The trick is to just forget. Xan still exists, Matt. What's Xan? Xan? Xan still exists. Xan still exists. Hey, don't don't kill me. I feel like I, I barely know what San is. I feel like it's like a file something storage area network. network. Yeah, TLA. basically that, sounds, that just sounds awful. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, sound like a lot of fun. Fiber attached storage. I hang out in server rooms with fiber and stuff. So I I'm always excited to talk to people after that. You know? <laughs> Can you standardize on Dropbox? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> so you've been to Mac DevOps before, right? Twice, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm the weird guy in the back, but that's how I normally am. So, 
I'm coming this year as well. Awesome. You know, virus be damned. Um, so is my colleague, Willie. Nice. Um, yeah, well, we, we'll be there. We look forward to seeing you. Um, it's been an, uh, an awesome uh, group of people over the years and uh, people hear about it from all over. And I just love how everybody comes in and shares uh, what they know and, and there's different ways to solve problems, you know, chef, puppet, we have MDM, monkey, jam, you know, there's lots of ways to solve our problems. And uh, I'm glad that Absolutely. people are coming together and helping each other. So that's, that's, it's, it's, yeah, awesome is the only word I have in my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's heartwarming. It's, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, uh... Uh, you know, it, I mean, it is, all right, I won't get sappy, but, but community is key to any, I think, I think it's key to, to, to living, this is going to sound really savvy, but to living a fulfilling life is, is having community in both, in both work. And when I say fulfilling, I don't mean like spiritually fulfilling. I just mean like achieving one's goals and really actualizing everything in one's life is key. Yeah, there's a lot, of helpful, is key. People. a lot of helpful people and, and people keep helping and I, lo I love it. And anything I can do to help to, to promote that community, I'm, I'm here to help. And so that's, that's been my inspiration and uh, I'm so glad that we can do this conference and do this podcast to interview people because one of the cool mm -hmm. ideas I had was that we all have something to contribute. Everybody has solved little problems, tiny problems. And so, I mean, I, I have crazy ideas like interviewing everybody, everybody that's done something. I want to interview everybody because everyone has something to contribute. And I want to share those stories where we're all rock stars, not just three people that are cool. It's we're all, well, you know, I'm not a rock star. I'm, I'm way too ugly for that, but oh, um, no. <laughs> I'll try um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, really kind. Well, well, Willie and I do want to, we, we do have some dream of, of doing a, a talk about a project that we're working on, but we'll have to finish the project first. This podcast has been Thanks an elaborate you. intervention to give you, get you to give you a quick talk. Yeah. We're trying to get you. So it sounds like a five minute quick talk. It's, yeah. That's a great know. quick talk here. Um, accepted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the whole conference should just be people giving quick talks. So I, I will. Quick see. talks are great. Yeah, I learned a lot from Graham's last uh, last year. Um, oh, he, yeah. he did one. He did yeah. one. It was setting up Terraform. We're we're working on a sort of Terraform um, thing for migrating uh, 802.1x profiles. Whoa! But it involves in different parts. It involves MDM Chef. Lambda orchestrated by Terraform sounds a lot more complicated than it is. Well, that's simple, no problem. It's yeah. a house of cards. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Good. Keep you keep on. We're trying. just basting our entire enterprise's connectivity on a, <laughs> a hastily patched together Terraform repo from a quick talk at a conference a year ago. <laughs> Approved. This is a great idea. Uh, I encourage you to keep going. What, what do we say? Ignorance is bliss. Ah, it sounds Indeed. awesome. You gotta, you gotta not be afraid to fail. You gotta, you gotta try things, and uh, um, I, I think that's excellent. And some of those quick talks are great. One little idea that you can jump into, and and it seems more approachable than a longer talk about someone's very specific, uh, perhaps setup that maybe you know not your exact setup, and maybe you don't know where the, how relevant it is. But the quick talks can help you with one idea. So, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's the common tool sets even across multiple enterprises that you can talk about. The project we want to talk about eventually is is our new monkey pipeline for auto, or our new auto package to monkey pipeline. We built it um, we built it completely in GitHub Actions and um, S3. Oh wow! 
I, I, yeah. I want to hear more about that. We're going to have to <laughs> have to talk about that in June or before that, you know, I can't. I can't Absolutely. Wait. Well, we're, we're, we're just starting to deploy it. So I'll let you know if we don't break our enterprise. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, he lived his good life. He lived his best life. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Harry. I, uh, yeah, we could talk thanks. all night. Um, uh, let's, let's, let's send you to bed, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Hi, everyone. I want to thank our amazing sponsors for MacDevOps YVR 2020. Uh, we couldn't do it without your help and support. Our platinum sponsor, Mac Stadium, thank you so much. You helped us last year. You're helping us this year. You're just amazing people to work with. Our gold sponsor, Sauce Labs from Vancouver, uh, thank you so much. Uh, your support means a lot to us. And uh, Simple MDM, our silver sponsor this year. Every year you've been sponsoring us. Uh, thank you so much. Huge shout out to all three. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and co-hosts. Mac DevOps Podcast is a brainchild of Matt X and Chris Johnson. Today's episode was edited by J.D. Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service.